We're just going live and having these amazing conversations during this very, very, very rich and potent time where we are being asked and invited to really contribute to a new way here on this planet, here as humans. And part of that is revisioning, revisioning how we do things that we have done before just because they've always been done a certain way. I reached out to Felina Kavi, who is an Inner Circle member in our Astrology Hub Inner Circle, and I'm going to tell you more about Felina's background here in just a moment, but I reached out to her months ago, long before we were in this current um, crisis slash opportunity, and I reached out to her because I got to witness all of these incredible rites of passage that she was facilitating for her children. And I was like, oh my gosh, Felina, please share with me what you're doing, how you're setting up these really special, sacred, ceremonial events for your children, because I would love to do the same. And then you all know me enough by now to know that I don't ever hold these things in for myself. I love sharing them with you. So I was like, Felina, can we just do it in front of like a couple thousand of our, our closest friends? Because I'm sure there's other people out there who not only would like to be infusing more sacred ceremonial elements into their lives with their children. That's one, one piece. But then as adults, there's so many of us who didn't have these very, um, potent rites of passage throughout our lives, or we had rites of passage that felt sort of meaningless and, um, you know, not very connected. So the way that I'm seeing this is it's both for us to facilitate for future generations, for the next generations, but also for healing for ourselves. And so Felina said, yes, I'll do it. And this was, again, before this time now. And now that we're here, it feels even more important it feels even more relevant as high schoolers are, you know, seniors are not having their graduation. We missed our big May Day celebration um, last week. There's, there's people that, you know, a wedding's canceled. I was supposed to be at a wedding last Sunday, canceled, you know, so, and a lot of people passing on or graduating or changing address as one of the kahunas that I worked with would say, um, there's these death rites that, that right now are, aren't, aren't happening. And even when they were happening, were they, really, were they really doing what they're intended to do, which is to help us really feel connected and feel like there's this a sacred event that has happened. So last, the last piece of this long, long intro, you can tell I'm excited about this topic. It really makes my 12th house Capricorn son very happy. This is a time for us to be planting seeds for new ways of doing things and what better use of our time, what better use of our imagination and our creativity than to learn and, and study with people like Felina who have been doing these things for a very long time. So I would love to tell you a little bit more about Felina and then I'll let her share her magic with you. So Felina is a Venusian astrologer and hedge witch guide with ancestral roots and Celtic shamanism. Felina marries her earth-centered spirituality with the wisdom of the cosmic song. Lady Luna and Venus taught her as a young girl to feel and communicate soul speak with all that is connected to our earth through the mother mind and heart. Chiron on her Taurus ascendant began her love learning of astrology and the healing arts as a young woman. 
Through this initiatory process, Felina found her calling and became a priestess of Gaia. Facilitating ceremonial rites of passage is a beloved part of her sacred work. And I remember what I was going to say. I was going to bring in the connection with astrology because astrology actually offers us so many built-in moments throughout life, through the different transits that we go through, that we could be marking in time with more intention, with more awareness, with more ceremony. So with all of that said, Felina, thank you so much for being here. Welcome, welcome. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Amanda. Um, yes, I'm so happy to be here. And it's wonderful that we're talking about rites of passage during this rite of passage that we're all going through collectively. Um, this is a huge rite of passage. And with all rites of passage, well, I should first say that, I mean, the the phrase comes from Arnold Van Gennep in the early 1900s, rites of passage. Um, and it's, it's really about these rituals and these ceremonies that um, different societies and tribes would do that kind of go through three distinguishable um, parts of the ceremony where um, it's like a, it's a separation and then it's uh, an ordeal or, you know, a crisis. And then it's a reincorporation. And this is, this is the uh, consecutive um, stages of these rites of passage. And while we're in the ordeal built upon what those rites of passage are about with the hero's journey, and there's also, you know, heroine's journey as well. And so... Yeah, we're in the ordeal right now, and um, we are, you know, we are looking ahead and wondering what's going to happen when we return, or, you know, the reincorporation of, you know, coming out of this and basically going home. What does that look like? Do things return to normal? Are they completely changed? Well, I think most of us agree that things are changed. And when you go through any ordeal, you yourself change. There's no way around it. Like these are uh, rites of passage have a bit of a crisis moment within them, you know. Um, and it doesn't have to be scary or hard or anything like that. A lot of times these ceremonies that we do to commemorate, to tell the story of this rites of, rite of passage, and, you know, that's to help us to it, it encourages us. It's to help us to be brave to go through these ordeals, right? So, like for example, um, one of the one of the reasons that Amanda got in touch with me is because I was sharing about my daughter's um, first moon or her maidening ceremony when she had her first menstrual blood, and so we she actually had two ceremonies. She's so lucky, you know, <laughs> um, but. When she went through that, she was forever changed. She she did not feel the same as she did when she was a little girl. She went through this rite of passage. It was celebrated and honored by her mother, her grandmother, her community, you know, friends. And there was that community support there. And I think that even though we don't have that right now, we don't have that ability to be close to each other, <laughs> physically, um, there's still a need for support when we return home 
after the, the threshold, you know, after the ordeal with these many rites of passage that we go through. So, um, yes, really glad to be talking about this right now. Um, and astrologically, um, there's so there's so many wonderful rites of passage that people don't even know about, you know, um, but a lot of us, you know, tend to think of the Saturn return, and that is a big, that's a big one. That is an ordeal. We are going through a maturation process. But even before that, we have that Jupiter return right around the time when we're coming of age, that first Jupiter return, right around 12 years old. The coming of age ceremony is extremely important, in my opinion, um, for the health of our world, because these are our children and how they go through their rites of passage are going to be important for you know generations to come it's going to be important for when they become adults and they you know they've had they've either not had that rite of passage be supported in in some sacred or even social way and then they you know they don't sometimes they don't even feel like they ever really matured or something, you know, even that's, that's kind of how it is for a lot of us. Um, you know, when I was young, I didn't have, my mom didn't do a first moon ceremony for me. It was very, you know, my mom's a nurse and, or she was, she's retired, but it was very, um, practical, you know, here's what you do, this kind of thing. Um, and that was good, you know, I, I don't fault her for it, is how it's much better than what she got. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, there's some wounding along the mother line um, that I meant to heal, and that's why I did that. Um, I made, uh, you know, first moon ceremony and made it really special for Alyrica, my daughter. She loved it. <laughs> she wanted me to tell you all that. She loved it. It was the best ever. Mm. <laughs> now she talks. Okay, so you're talking about the coming of age ceremony and the importance of that. There's the, the mid, kind of 29 to 30, like another phase of maturation. Yeah. What would be other, other rites of passage moments that we could be acknowledging mm -hmm. with more sacred intention? Well, uh, the Chiron return is a very big one. We're still talking about astrological ones. I mean, because these kind of overlap. So like I was saying with the Jup the first Jupiter return, it's very much around the time where we're coming of age. And the Saturn return, the first Saturn return is often around the time when we're really, you know, we're coming into some responsibility, whether it's kids or um, a career or both or, you know, um, marriage, all these things where we really have to be mature now <laughs> and take care of some things. Um, and then, you know, the Chiron return is around the age of 50, so 49 to 51, um, where Chiron comes back around to where it was when you were born, and it's like this full circle healing. So all of these, all of these things that you had, these lessons and, and things that you have gone through um, in your healing process throughout your life, well, it comes kind of full circle. And it's kind of like um, it asks you, you know, to step up and, and really um, 
bring forth that gift that comes from those wounds. And so, you know, if you're still ignoring the, the wounding or, you know, anything that you're trying, you know, you're trying to escape the wound, if you're still doing that, the, the golden, what should be the golden years of your life, they may, you know, not be so golden. Um, a lot of health issues come cascading after, after 50. But, you know, for some people, that's when they really find their, their true calling. I mean, we find it before that too. But I'm, what I'm saying is it's like the healer awakens, right? And if you haven't allowed that healer to come out yet, that healer is really going to want to come out during that Chiron return or shortly after it, I should say, because you have to go through all of that first, that ordeal, right? <laughs> Whatever it may be. And so I, I would say that those three um, are pretty significant. There's some other ones like um, the Uranus opposition um, a little bit later, later on is kind of like the, what people call the midlife crisis. Um, I'm going through my Pluto square right now. That's an ordeal. Um, progressed lunar returns. If you want to get really nerdy, there's, there's some good stuff there too, but there's really, there's three very big ones. It feels like, um, that, that kind of overlap with other, um, almost biological and social kind of, um, rites of passage. Mm. What about the second Saturn return? Would, would you call, count that one in too? That's oh, it. Yeah. And, and that's I, age... Uh, that would be age around 50, let's see, now I got to do some math here. So right before 60, about 50. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that the feedback happens when I speak any over you at all. So I'm going to just like fully wait for you to be done and then I'll say something. Um, okay. So there's also biological. So this is, I mean, but if you think of just those astrological ones, that is so much more than what we actually acknowledge for the most part mm-hmm. throughout life now. I would say in the, in, you know, after college, if you go to college, the, the only other right of, rites of passage that I'm fully aware of that gets celebrated would be your wedding if you get married mm-hmm. and your funeral, right? I mean, that's... Maybe the birth of a child. Yeah, there's, there's that. A lot of people celebrate that. But, but I feel like there's so much pressure on that wedding because mm-hmm. we're missing out on so many of the other rites of passage that we could celebrate. So instead, it's like all this energy and focus on this one thing when there's, there's a lot more like milestones that we could be paying attention to. And again, perhaps taking pressure off that Oh my gosh, it's the wedding, you know. Um, the other thing, I would love if you could speak to the biological ones, because if you layered in biological rites of passage with astrological rites of passage, we would have plenty to celebrate and plenty to bring in sacred acknowledgement around. Um, and then after that, I'd love to hear some examples of how you create these ceremonies for anybody interested in doing them. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, you mentioned um, graduation, so I should say the first lunar return is pretty important as well because that happens right around um, 18 years old, 18, 19. Um, but yeah, and you also mentioned the wedding, and I, I hear, I hear the what's behind it in your voice, and 
Um, it's so true. Um, but I, I should first say that I love officiating weddings. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. But yeah. Go ahead. What were you I, I actually love weddings too. It's not, it's just that there's so much pressure on that one ceremony because again, I just, I think people are craving the sacred in their life. And so there's, and acknowledgement and rites of passage, they're craving that. They might not know that. I don't know that that's a conscious, like, oh, I really want rites of passage. Um, but, but so, so because of that, by default, so much goes into that one event. And plus it's been very um, commercialized and it's become an entire industry. And there's a whole another conversation about that we could probably have, but um, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's good. Um, yes, totally agree. Um, there's some things that um, people don't even know how to celebrate or not. I shouldn't say celebrate because some of them are not very celebratory. Like um, I do hand fastings. I also do weddings. It kind of depends on what the couple wants, but I also do hand partings, which are basically divorce ceremonies. Um, should they want that afterwards? Um, and those are really important uh, rites of passage as well. And those are, those are ones that people completely, they miss, you know, and it's so hard to go through a divorce without having something that really um, encourages you through that process and where you feel supported um, by your friends, your family, community. Going through a divorce like that, you know, you probably know it's if you don't have um, a support system or some way to like understand that what you're going through, like astrology. I think, were you, were you um, learning about astrology around that time? Is that, or did you have it? Definitely. Astrology came into my life right before all of that started happening. Yeah. That was probably a helpful support for you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know how I would have navigated that without the awareness that astrology gave me of why it was happening how I could emerge on the other side of it if I was approaching it really consciously and, and al allowing it to transform me. Yeah. So, I mean, um, imagine what it's like for people who don't have any support during that time or any understanding of how to go through the ordeal. Um, so that's kind of what these rites of passages are for to really, um, to bring you through this change that you're going through, whatever it may be. And yeah, weddings are um, very, you know, as a society, we focus on them because they, you know, getting married is some, some big deal, right? Um, and for many of it, it, it is, many of us, it is. But there are so many other big deals. <clears throat> so we mentioned the first moon ceremony, you know, the coming of age ceremony. And I don't, exactly know what it will be for my son Felix he's five years old you know he's boy and it's not going to be the same thing and I grew up with two brothers I'm a middle child between two brothers and I didn't have any sisters um, which is probably why I love sisterhood now you know <laughs> I've needed that but um, my brothers and I you know we weren't sharing what was going on with us I had no idea so I'm learning some things new with Felix 
and he's only five now, but we'll see what happens with his coming of age. Of course, I'm going to have some kind of ceremony for him. I just don't know when or what. But, um, you know, as far as women go, we also eventually go through that menopausal phase. And um, when we get to that phase, what is there for us? Um, a lot of a lot of women are now, you know, finding female communities to bond with and to have support with. And then um, what I do for that ceremony, I call it the queening. Um, you know, it's like a coronation. <laughs> um, it's where, you know, it's kind of like you're the, the queen of the hive now, you know, and it's very powerful to have gone through all of that, you know, your bleeding phases and then to retain your, your blood then once you go through menopause, that is super spiritual. You know, it's a very powerful thing. Um, but there's so many women who go through that who have, you know, no idea and you know there's commiseration about hot flashes and things like this but they don't understand how powerful they are in that you know in that phase so yeah as far as biological um rites of passage there we always begin with the soul embrace of course this is the birthright right however that should happen um it can be very beautiful, very, very spiritual. Amanda, Amanda and I both have experienced birthrights or soul embrace that were so very beautiful. And then we've also experienced, you know, with our first, the, the more clinical, um, traditional. It, it feels weird to call that traditional, but it, in our society, the, um, you know, the doctors and the hospital and the, all of the, uh, weird equipment and stuff like that and the um, what do you call it the the drug that you take so you don't feel the pain um, epidural you know all that stuff that's become kind of traditional right um, there's a tradition beyond what we think is traditional and what we think is you know right in our society um, that's so much healthier for us as mothers as well as for our children um, that we don't even have time to get into, but I just wanted to say that. Um, and then, so that we have the soul embrace to begin with, and of course we all end with the soul release or the death rites. And with the death rites, those have, there is a whole, like you were saying about um, the wedding industry, there is a whole business of death that kind of takes over where these people who are grieving the loss of, somebody um, now have to worry about, you know, how much this costs and what are we going to do about all this stuff and, you know, all of that stuff. And it really takes away from the release of that soul that is really needed. So those are two beautiful rites that we can really um, at least think about dream into, you know, our society in new ways um, in this transition period that we're in this is a perfect time to dream those kind of things into being um, so in between those of course we have like the maidening or the what's often called the menarch the first moon um, we have mother blessing ceremonies I love those um, and then you know we have the queening like I said 
or we can have. We can have these things, I should say, because they're they're normal for me. But sometimes I forget that uh, that not everybody has them. I mean, I don't forget, but the way that I talk about them, it's just like, oh yeah, let's have a queening, right? <laughs> but it's not it's not so simple for everyone. And just like with um, the maidening, um, it's going to be different for each girl uh, becoming a woman. And you know, I remember one of my first ones that I did for a friend her friend's daughter and she was so different than my daughter my daughter loved that stuff you know and um her daughter when we did her she was kind of like um shy about it all and uh thought certain things were weird but that's part of it that's part of being that age too things are weird like oh mom wants to do all this hippy dippy stuff but i'm like you know <laughs> completely different than that and and that's part of it. That was part of her ordeal, you know, of coming of age and trying to figure out what it is what it is to be a woman. Um, so there are there are unique parts that we put into each ceremony, right? Um, as far as as far as those unique ceremonial moments, one of the ones my daughter wanted me to share about hers was. So first, I should say that there's some theater to this. In fact, theater is what really got me interested in rites of passage anyway, because uh, I come from a theater background. Um, I've taught theater for a long time, um, especially to young people, especially to people coming of age, you know, right at that age group. And um, one of the things is that... It was like before we'd go on stage, whether I was directing or acting, um, before we'd go on stage, I'd gather everybody together and we'd do like a, a last minute warm up. And, you know, it would be to kind of take out the nerves. It would be to encourage these, you know, young people before they head out there and do their best with this performance. And, it, you know, it would be to loosen them up. And that's, that's kind of what we go through during these uh, rites of passage ceremonies as well. We have the support of the community or whoever, because I mean, while we're home and there's no like community support, unless we do something online, which we can, um, <clears throat> you know, it might just be the family, but that's a support group as well. So we would gather around and we do things like, you know, go through tongue twisters because People would be afraid that they're going to mess up their lines. It's going to come out, blah, 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 blah. So we would do unique New York, unique New York, or red leather, red leather, yellow leather. Or um, one of their favorites was she stood on her balcony, inimicably mimicking him hiccuping and amicably welcoming him in. You know, they got really good at that, and they loved doing that ahead of time. And just those funny little things would encourage them, okay, I got this, you know, I, I can step onto stage now and do what I'm here to do. And that's, that's what rites of passage are like. And so during Alirica's first moon ceremony, um, when she was little, she got this little stuffed animal named Snowflake. Oh, she, she named her Snowflake, just a little white kitty, right? From my grandma, or for my mom, her grandma. And she loves snowflakes. She's been talking to this stuffed cat most of her life, right? Always sleeping with it, bringing it when we go places. Um, 
Snowflake is part of the family. And we brought Snowflake along and she was part of the ceremony. And toward the end of the ceremony, when we kind of went through the theatrical ordeal of it, I didn't tell her ahead of time what we were going to do. I told her that Snowflake was going to be part of it. And she's like, oh, great. Um, during the, that part of the ordeal where she's crossing the threshold and almost literally because we, we laid out these red ribbons for her to cross over, you know. I told her and everybody that this was her, her beloved cat Snowflake from when she was little. And now that she's becoming a woman, she has to say goodbye to Snowflake. Yes, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a, it seems like a little much. However, the feeling was what she needed so that she could do this and prove to herself that she could. So um, we kind of, you know, did this thing where she had to, and she was crying. She was sad. I was crying and I, I already knew that, you know, know what, what this was, but <clears throat> she said goodbye to Snowflake and she crossed over those red ribbons. Oh God. And then, yeah. And then when she had crossed over, we welcomed her back and I gave her Snowflake back. And I said that, um, even though you're a woman now, Snowflake represents this connection to this inner child that you should always honor you know here we are as mothers we're like i know when i talk about this stuff i do i get very emotional because it's so powerful for me and i i have this scorpio moon that really wants to go deep into the, these kind of things as well and so every time i do them and every time i talk about them here i am getting teary-eyed but she she was so overjoyed to get Snowflake back and to understand that she was not really going to ever have to say goodbye to that child part of her. Uh, that know? is so beautiful. I mean, do you, do you, I, oh gosh, there's this book I read, Mina by Mary Lane. And she talks about some of these ancient rituals and rites of passage. And they, they always, I'm remembering, they always had an element in there where there's this you have to create the ordeal, I guess, if it's in, and, and so um, that would be really hard to do. I'm sure as the facilitator, as the one holding space for it. And yet you already knew how it was going to end up. So it was okay. You know? yeah. And the message, I mean, think how, when you got to tie it into such an emotional piece for her, she'll never, ever forget that. And she won't ever forget the message either because that message that you sent to her about her inner child and being able to always hold, like she never has to give that up. How important for her to be able to carry into the rest of her life. And now she has this tangible, visceral experience of that truth. So that is really amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, other parts of the ceremony are, are less emotional. I mean, it's all kind of emotional for me because it was my daughter, <laughs> but, you know, there's parts where um, the women there, they are sharing these uh, messages of uh, wisdom for, you know, the young woman and, you know, what, what they can impart um, to her as she moves along her journey. Um, and there, there are also young girls there as well, 
uh, one of them who was there, she hadn't even, you know, gone through her, her passage yet. And so she was just wide eyed, you know, about, about it all. And um, <clears throat> so it's the, another part of it is to have that, um, that family element. Having my, my mother came um, to that one. There were two of them. She came to one of them. And um, there was a part where we shared about our own first experience. And Illyricus was just pretty much glorious. She's such a happy girl, you know. Um, there's not a lot that, that brings her down. But, you know, she had, she had a great experience. Her little brother gave her roses and her dad bought her chocolates, things like this. Um, my experience, I shared my experience and I had fainted in the, in the shower when it happened. I didn't even know it happened. I thought I hit my head when I woke up and there was blood, but, and then I woke my mom up and she was scared because I said, there's blood in the shower. <laughs> You know, but then my mom, when she shared hers, I realized how, how wounded many women are from their experiences with how their mothers treated that time. Um, and that was one of the kind of experiences that my mom had. There was a lot of fear and shame mixed into that. And it was important for Lyrica to know that, that we're all coming from, you know, many of us are coming from wounded uh, places. Um, with all of this and that we're trying to heal it. And she understands, you know, that she's part of that healing and that should she ever have children, should she ever have a young uh, baby girl that grows into womanhood, that she will carry on these, these new traditions where there's not wounding, there's empowerment around it. <clears throat> so Felina, the, <laughs> So there's the, the celebratory ones. Mm -hmm. Then what I was thinking when you were talking about divorce and menopause and some of these, I mean, death has a clear demarcation end, but for a lot of people, divorce and menopause, it just sort of like peters out, right? There isn't like necessarily this, this point in time where I guess when you sign your divorce papers, but Again, th there's so many other things that happen for it can be a process of years, right? So for those, do you just choose like, okay, it's, this is the end and I'm choosing this time to mark as the, the moment. Is that how you yeah, normally? That's, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. I mean, when people come to me for certain ceremonies um, that don't have a clear date, like oh, I, you know, started menstruating on this date, you know, when it's, it's a longer process. Yeah. We will kind of astrologically choose the, the, a good date um, or, you know, somewhere around when it's, when it works for everybody. But um, yeah, because, you know, choosing the date, then, then you're leading up to that date. Right. And you're like separating from what had happened as you're leading up to that date. And then you get to that date, which is like the threshold, right? This is that middle part of the rite of passage. And you can step over that threshold, that liminal space. Um, and then you're in that afterwards, you have this, this time of what I call um, integration. Um, it's kind of like with um, some of the shamanic rites that I do, uh, like soul retrieval for people, there is, you know, 
this process of integration that has to happen afterwards. And it's very, very important because if we're just, you know, we do this thing at the date and it's done, that's not, it's not really done because we're coming back, we're returning, right? Um, and after you go through something like that, um, we'll just say like with divorce, for example, there is a time afterwards of integration where you have to return to yourself as, you know, like the, the caregiver for yourself or the, the companion for yourself, you know, and you have to start taking care of your needs. And, you know, there's a separation from <clears throat> what it was before where you were concerned with this other person and, you know, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a healing process involved afterwards. Selena, can you give us an example of the queening? Like a, like a type of ceremony you would do for someone going through, or someone done with menopause. Yes, yeah, those are so much fun. Um, I, I love my, um, so I belong to the sisterhood and we do um, ceremonies. I love my elder sisters. You know, they're so, these wise women, many of them are just so vibrant and um, just amazing, amazing women. So oftentimes the queening is so much fun. And, and it's not like the, like we were talking about, everybody just parties and drinks. I, oftentimes there is wine, I will say that. However, um, you know, it's, it's this kind of, like I said, a coronation. This is like the queen bee time of life, right? The wise woman. Um, so examples of that, it's always different because, you know, we're all so different. So that's another thing. Each ceremony has to be so specific to the person. Otherwise, it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, address the, the heart and soul. And it's really important to address that heart and soul. Um, so examples would be, um, creating a flower crown for the woman, all the women together, you know, bringing their own flower and, you know, tying it or clipping it, however, to the crown and then, you know, giving the crown to, you know, this, these are just like little parts of, of a larger ceremony, but that would be called in Hawaiian. That's the lei po'o. I love it. Yes. So you would make, that sounds amazing. And, and, and I love that you use the word queen because, um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe crone has like some deep past that is something I could connect with that would feel good. But I have to say when thinking about would I rather cross a threshold and become the queen bee, or would I rather cross a fresh threshold and become the crown? Right. My association with the one is much, much more vibrant than the other. Um, so, and, 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 I, and I'm not saying that because of the, I, I don't think I'm coming from a place of, of our culture's um, obsession with staying young. It's not that. It's just a queen holds like this stance and the crone to me just feels like it's sort of on the decline, you know? So yeah. it, it, I'm, I'm guessing there's a, there's a reason why you choose that term over crone. Um, it's often because that's what women prefer. You know, mm -hmm. I use whatever term the woman wants. 
or you know whatever the person wants um and I, plus i love i think queening just seems it's so perfect for that time um because you're not quite i mean when you go through menopause most times you're not really that old you know uh, you're not like shriveled up and you know decaying that's what crone is about uh, crone would be it, it is a it is a phase of life for sure um, the the word is a little bit derogatory uh, in its traditional usage. Um, I use it for um, really for the moon because the moon doesn't care to be called a crone. When we're talking about actual you know women you know with their feelings, they're not going to want to be called crone. Um, some of them are. They're reclaiming crone for sure, um, but. Yeah, queen, queen is usually what uh, women want to be called. Um, there's other names for it that they sometimes use. Um, I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Queening seems to be the one that's, that's the most um, popular. So Felina, you mentioned in the beginning that we are in a collective rite of passage right now. So for anybody who is wanting to bring more conscious awareness and and treat it as such like okay we are in a collect i am part of a collective rite of passage we are clearly in the ordeal phase the separation phase has been happening for a long time right i mean would you say that the separate and to me when you said that in the beginning i was thinking separation from god separation from source separation from spirit has been happening for a long time and so now we're in the ordeal phase. And how can we take some of the elements of what you do in like a, a, a short, you know, rite of passage ceremony into our lives on a daily basis to really bring that consciousness to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, on a daily basis, you said. Um, because with what we're going through, it's so vast that it might be even more helpful to honor this transition on a daily basis or more often than just like one and done ceremony, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big one. So, um, oh, dancing. I should have mentioned this one. Dancing is so important. When we're talking about these, especially you know, during the biological milestones that we go through as rites of passage, but really any of them. We're talking about these, we're talking about our humanity that we're bringing up, you know. Um, I know other animals and stuff do their own kind of rites of passage, but we're, you know, we have some pretty um, different ways of experiencing them. And our humanity really, we're going through kind of this, um, ordeal phase with our own humanity where it's kind of like this adolescence phase right and uh, we need to step up into maturity as a collective um, when we're connecting with our own humanity when we're trying to heal our connection with our own humanity because that is a big part of this um, we are connecting with our blood and our bones and our heart so there are these feelings that like surge through our body when all of this kind of panic is going on. And it's not 
it's not healthy for it, it for us. It doesn't allow us to keep that connection if we let it, you know. I'm using my hands to talk because this is the kind of feeling. It has this motion that just kind of, whatever that feeling is, uh, the panic, the insecurity, just the fear, it surges through your body like electricity, right? And it needs to be grounded. So one of the things you can do for that is to dance. Uh, our ancestors want us to dance, um, to ground that electricity into the earth through our feet, through our stomping feet, um, with music, with singing. Uh, singing so important. I use singing a lot. Um, singing certain chants, um, some that are connected to your um, your ancestry may be good. Some that are connected to just, you know, the earth in general. Um, I like um, I like ones that are very simple, um, kind of like chants or just simple songs that everybody can kind of follow along with and sing because it's so powerful when you're singing together. You know, even just at something as simple as earthing in the ground, going outside, putting your bare feet on the ground and just singing something like an elemental chant, like, um, earth my body, water my blood, air my breath and fire my spirit. You know, that that's very simple, but if you keep the repetition of that, it really puts you into that, that um, feeling. Other things, you know, you don't have to do the whole big ordeal or something. I mean, there's some societies that do like fire walking or, you know, there's some really big ordeals. And they found that like the people that are, you know, gathering around during these times, they're experiencing the feeling with this person who's going through it. And it's this surge of, you know, um, feeling connected. And it's so important for societies, you know, to even go through these kind of things together. Um, but when we're doing them alone, there's, you know, really simple things like burning something in a candle, even, you know, candle flame. Many people have done this before. It's very simple just to write down what it is you're leaving, what you're, what you're separating from, what you're leaving behind and burn that in the candle. And then the, the smoke of that flame is, you know, like prayers rising um, into the ethers, into the, the spirit world, however you want to say it. Um, and those prayers are like, those are blessings. Interesting blessing, the word blessing uh, is an old English term uh, that means bleeding, love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, these, these are blessings then for your reincorporation or your integration or your return after the threshold. I love that, Felina. And one of the things um, we're doing at Astrology Hub is taking, so we ha we've, there's three waves of energy this year, right? And we've completed the first wave and we're going into the second wave. And one of the things Anne Ortley said on Tuesday in our astrological weather forecast was that it's really important for us to take note and take stock of the lessons that we learned from February 4th until now. 
And so one of the things we've decided to do as a team at Astrology Hub is on, on our team meeting next Tuesday, we're going to share you know, what are the things that we learned? What are the things that, because there's something about sharing as we're learning that helps to solidify it and I think helps to keep it conscious so that we don't just, you know, get swept into the next wave of energy without really integrating and taking with us some of the gifts and the blessings of that first time. So this, you know, for, for, for me, I think this is probably the first ceremonial like thing that I'm doing through this time. That's not just a daily thing, but like a mark in time, like, okay, now Saturn is going retrograde, all these planets going retrograde. We're revisiting these. It's like, we're going back in time a little bit to revisit the energies. And so it's like, okay, well, what did I learn the first time? Let's keep that relevant and keep that top of mind. Um, so there's so much we can do though. There's so, and, and like you said, it can be simple. And I love what you said about making it personal. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what has been lost mm -hmm. in so many of the, the way, so many of the ways that we're doing these things, you know, in the graduations, in the weddings, in the, you know, a lot of people are starting to really personalize their weddings, but for the longest time, it's like, this is what you do. This is the ceremony. And and then it lost all the heart. It lost that real connection. That's why you don't walk away from it feeling like any different because it's like, well, I, you didn't really connect here. It was like you went through motions, but, and this is the, this is for me, the, the, the truth and the opportunity that we have with our holidays, with all these things that we've just done because we do them, but they've lost the soul. You know, they've lost the heart. So Felina, I just want to thank you for coming here and sharing with us your work, which I know for you is so natural and so just like what you do every day. I don't even think you realize that. What, and I know a lot of people in our audience are have a lot of the kinds of background as you and, and have been connecting with Earth and with each other the way that you do. But for a lot of people, this is like very foreign and new. And there's so much opportunity here for us to, to, to reclaim these things and to make them our own and to make them mean something um, and to start doing them together in community, like you said. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like there could be like a part two, three, four, or we could just do some ceremonies together. That'd be fun. <laughs> All of that. I'm down for it. I love this conversation. I love that you're bringing this conversation because it is meant to inspire this is like seeds on the wind, okay? And it's very important because diversity is the lifeblood of um, the rebirth of consciousness around an idea. And so sharing this with many people and inspiring them, you know, it's not, it's not about do things my way because my way is so varied too, you know? It's it's about finding your own way and what connects to your heart and to your soul. It's very important. And a lot of times when people come to me and they want, you know, guidance on how to kind of do these things, um, they're worried that they're going to do something wrong. You know, um, as there's, there's something that you should know that you really can't go wrong when you have your, your heart in it. <clears throat> you're going to, you're going to know what, what works and, what's kind of uh you know this can we can 
get rid of this, but this is the thing that's important to put in this ceremony. You know, you're going to know. Trust yourself. That's really important. Um, yeah, I hope this I hope this conversation inspires so many uh, others to create ceremony around these kind of things. Um, and I would love to reconvene at some later date talking about these kind of things too. So for sure, Alina, what you're talking about with this uh, seeds on the wind and, and planting these seeds and not even planting them. They're, they're like scattering on the wind right now. Right. Yeah, like a dandelion um, fluff. Like and you talk about that being a really important way of the future is the, the diversification of, of what it means to co-create this new reality. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the terms I've loved that I've heard recently is, is um, decentralized creativity, decentralized creativity. So instead of like, like people come to you and go, Felina, what do I do? It's like, <clears throat> no, no. What, like how can we co-create this? Mm -hmm. And each person has, they have keys and things to contribute to the picture. And so, you know, I, I think I came to you saying my, my daughters are, I have two daughters. I have one who's 11. So she's like at that point of her Jupiter return soon. Right. Um, so she's about to be in that coming of age kind of time. I was like, Felina, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like if we have the basic structure or outline, and, and this is just very loose, like mm -hmm. the separation, the ordeal, and then the integration. Yeah. And however we want to create that ceremony in the middle, I'm sure you have lots of ideas mm -hmm. that could help people like get their juices flowing. But then it's about making it our own and, mm -hmm. and, and knowing who the ceremony is for. Like my daughters are pretty like introverted and shy, you know, so I don't know if they like the big like flying everybody in and, you know, the huge thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. it, it, creating the ceremony for the person, I think, is so perfect, too. So, Felina, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thanks to all of you for tuning in, and thanks for being interested right along with us. This is so important. It's so important, and it's these things that we – It's you know, I'm looking at all the places in, in life where we've just sort of been on um, autopilot mm -hmm. and looking at them going, okay, well, if that wasn't really serving, what would? If – if that isn't really working out, then what does, you know? And, and I think that's, that's the energy right now. It's this, what if maybe we could, or how about this? It's playful. We're trying things on. It's, it doesn't have to be serious. There's this, you know, this, a bit, this um, opportunity right now to really play with a new reality because yeah. that's where we're at. We're on that threshold. We're on that threshold of something new. And I don't think anybody really knows and we get to contribute to that. Yes, yeah. You, you mentioned something that's important here because we just we just crossed another threshold um, with the nodes moving into Gemini and Sagittarius. And you're bringing you know up this playfulness. It's very important. That is what we need for our souls now. This Gemini playfulness, curiosity. Uh, just fascination with the many possibilities and, you know, new information. I encourage people to look up different rites of passage and get inspiration from them. Um, if you're interested in rites of passage for your own, like, ancestry, look them up. You can Google it or you can, you know, find them in books. Um, there's not a lot, but there's there's some. And 
I think that they would be inspiring for, for you. Okay. Selena, there's the feedback. Ah, um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work? I don't have a website. <laughs> um, I've been needing to get a website, but I, I'm mostly on Facebook. Find me on Facebook, um, Felina Luncavi. Uh, I do have um, a blog that I um, post about the moon phases, um, but find me on Facebook. And yes, ask me, ask me whatever you want. <laughs> Felina is a, a, a amazing member of our inner circle community. So helpful, so engaged, and so it's just been really fun to be here with you. Yes, thank you too. Okay. Aloha, everybody. Thank you for being here.